Simon on the Mount, how to handle criticism. I guess I could have said um, not so much how we handle criticism that comes to us, but in the light of the temptation to criticize others and to judge others. Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Okay, let's say uh, the benediction now. What, What more is there? I mean, Jesus just says, don't judge, full stop, and you won't be judged. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, here, let me get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the great thumping log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. The French philosopher Voltaire received an extremely critical judgmental letter and in his reply to that letter said, Dear Sir, I'm sitting in the smallest room of my house. We know what that room is. I have your letter of the 15th of March before me. Soon it will be behind me. Your affectionate servant. Well, criticism and judgment takes all kinds of forms. And George Bush Jr., oh my goodness, that man. Um, Do you recall when he put the binoculars around the wrong way and was looking out at the troops? I mean, for goodness sake. And so the general turns them back around. Oh, yeah, there. I thought they were so far away and so little. (laughs) Well, George Bush in a speech uh, he gave while he was visiting Canada said, I'd like to thank all you Canadians for your warm welcome at the airport, especially those of you who waved with all five fingers. Well, this this morning we continue with our series, the Sermon on the Mount. And what's become apparent to me and apparent to you, I hope over this period of time, as we've journeyed and as we've looked at this wonderful sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, is that God is more concerned about our Christian character rather than our piety and our religiosity. He's more concerned about our attitudes, the motivations of our hearts, what really is in there. And that's what Jesus was focusing on in all of the teaching. He wants to be, uh, he wanted to expose the heart. And that's what, of course, Uh, the Sermon of the Mount does for us even now as we read it and we meditate on it and think about it. What's in here is really important 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this section of the sermon, it's all about the growth of Christian character and what it means about not judging quickly. You know, we're not Christians on our own. We belong to a Christian community. This community and the broader community, obviously Christian community. We belong to one another. The Word tells us that. And the Sermon on the Mount is about how we relate in this community. And I think that that's probably um, where I've been hoping to go in all of this series. It's about how we relate to one another. Um, you know, we spoke about, uh, about anger and dealing with anger and what we say to one another and how we say what we say to one another. What is the motivations of the heart in all of that? We spoke, although very, very quickly, I think we spoke, yes, we did, about sexual immorality. And Jesus was talking about what the eyes see and how the heart responds to that. And, uh, and so now Jesus is talking about uh, judging others. And so the Bible in James, the Bible in James as he turns it on, says... Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you who are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you... Pause. Who are you to judge? Your neighbour. Now, the law that James is speaking about here isn't the complete Old Testament law. Rather, it's the law that Jesus summarised in Matthew 22 and 37 to 40 when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The Apostle James called called it the royal law and the royal law, James explains, is to love your neighbour as yourself. Now, in this section in Matthew In this section here of Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6, Jesus teaches us about um, judging others. He shows that when it's appropriate for judgment to be given and criticism received from others, and he shows us the right way to confront others and how to discriminate without judging. So, firstly, Jesus says, do not judge others. But what does that mean when when Jesus says, don't judge others? Let's just ask that in another way. 
What is Jesus asking us not to do? Well, I believe he's asking us to stop, to cease judging. And now he certainly isn't meaning that we should stop using our discernment when judging a matter or when it comes to deciding what is the truth about something, when judging a matter, deciding the truth or discerning what's proper, what is God, what is God honouring. So he's not saying that we should not apply judgment to those things. And Jesus is not teaching us to cease from using good judgment when it comes to the character, the conduct and actions of others. So, what's behind then what Jesus says? Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Well, Jesus is asking us to be wise and to distinguish between people. It may appear harsh, really, but some people are pigs. Sorry. Some people are dogs, and that's what Jesus is saying in this section here. It doesn't sound like him, does it? But that's what he's saying. Some people are dogs and some people are pigs. These are the people who ridicule, they reject, they blaspheme the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and anything that is of him. Whenever they hear it, that's their response to it. And so we are to use our ability to discern a person's character. We balance judgment with discernment. That's the key. Now, does that make it the fact that, oh, well, my goodness gracious, so do we not preach the gospel? Of course you preach the gospel. But you've got to be discerning when it comes to who you share the gospel with. There's a judgment involved in it. You don't take that which is holy and in this case it's the gospel. It's everything about the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't take that and, and, and present it to people who will just turn on it and trample it down. We share the gospel um, hopefully with those whom we've been praying for We've been asking God to to turn the soil of their hearts. We've been praying for the community. We're asking the Holy Spirit just to work with grace and power in the lives of people. We pray for a spiritual awakening, which is all about opening the eyes of people. And we preach and we proclaim the gospel. If you go through, of course, the New Testament and you look at Paul and you look at the, the evangelistic team that he took with him to certain places, 
And of course, if you read (coughs) what he wrote in his letters, he talks about certain individuals who stood opposed to the gospel. And he didn't talk to them about them in terms of what a great person they are. He said, maybe um, uh, this person, God will basically get him in the end, get even with him. So what Jesus is saying here is we've got to use our discernment when it comes to making judgment about people. Now, it may seem a bit confusing, eh? because the Bible on one hand teaches us not to criticise other Christians by making hasty decisions and judgments about them. But on the other hand, Paul at the same time makes it clear that we are to judge and deal with any sin that can hurt the whole body of of Christ. He asks us to do that. Corinthians teaches that. We are to make a judgment on anyone who is causing the uh, bringing sin into the body of Christ and causing all kinds of difficulties and problems and um, upsets within the body of Christ. So he told he told the uh, Corinthians. It isn't our responsibility to judge outsiders. God will judge them. But it certainly is our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So God doesn't want us to give up our ability to discern or to decide. Here, Paul is saying, we have a responsibility to judge open and obvious sin. So, what is it that Jesus is asking us to do then? Well, it's clear that Jesus wants you and me to stop any kind of hypocritical, um, judgmental attitude that we may have, where we're far too quick to find faults in with people or to pass sentence on them and to tear them down in order to build ourselves up. That's what Christ is asking. Don't make such a hasty decision and judgment on people. Yesterday, Robin and I and Ebony did some Christmas shopping. We were down in Penrith. And I want to tell you how easy it is to judge people by what you see. We're all guilty of it. We make a judgment on a person very very quickly. In fact, in social science, there's something called the attribution theory. And the researchers of the attribution theory say that human beings, by and large, conclude about another human being somewhere between 2.2 and 4.6 seconds. That means based on our initial reaction with someone and based on what we see and hear in front of us, that between 2.2 and 4.6 seconds we make up our minds about that person, how quick we are to judge. Now you just think about it for a second. Think about the last time you met an awkward person 
and how quickly you came to a conclusion about that person. Whether it was right or wrong, it didn't matter, but made a judgment on that person. That's how quick we can do it. Just by what we see and what we hear. We're in a train and we're on our way home from work or the city. There's a group of young people who are talking loud and using all kinds of foul language. They've got their feet up on the seat and within 2.2 and 4.6 seconds we have judged the whole kaboot and caboodle of them. And so Jesus is saying this, you don't know what is in a person's heart. So don't be so quick to make a judgment. John Wesley told of a man he had little respect for because he considered him to be miserly and covetous. One day when this person contributed only a small gift to a worthy charity, Wesley openly criticised him. And after the incident, the man went to Wesley privately and told him he had been living on parsnips and water for several weeks. He explained that before his conversion, he had run up a whole heap of bills. Now, by skimping on everything and buying nothing for himself, he was paying off his creditors one by one. Christ has made me an honest man, he told Wesley, And so with all these debts to pay, I can only give a few offerings above my tithe. I must settle up my worldly neighbours and show them what the grace of God can do in the heart of a man who was once dishonest. How do you think Wesley felt about himself at that point? He made such a quick judgment on this man based on what he put in the offering. Should I go there? (laughs) We, We just have to be careful, brothers and sisters, that we're not quick to make judgments by what we see and what we hear. Wesley, of course, profoundly apologised to this man and asked for his forgiveness. But it's pretty clear, isn't it, how quick we pass sentence on people. Now, I think the first thing that Jesus is asking us is to slow down with people, to keep our minds open to an alternative explanation of what we see and hear before us. Okay, which leads us on perfectly to the next. Why we are not to judge. Do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Well, The first thing is we never have all the facts. 
There is only one lawgiver, James said, and I'll remind you of that verse, and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbour? We don't judge because we don't have all the facts. Let me just let that sit for a bit, okay? We don't judge. We don't take sides. We seek to remain impartial in all of our relational, um, you know, all our relationships. We seek to remain impartial. We don't have all the facts. Only God is qualified to judge. He's the one lawgiver and judge. He's the only one qualified. You and I have no right or authority, by the way, to sit in judgment on another person. And we can't know everything that's in a person's heart. I don't know what's in your heart this morning. You don't know what's in my heart this morning. And you might be saying to me, I I don't even know what's in your heart to preach this sermon this morning. What is motivating you to preach this word this morning? You don't know what's in my heart. I don't know what's in your heart, so I'm not going to judge you. Please don't judge me. You know, that's, I'm just using that as an illustration. I can't see you as God does. Can't see you as God does. If it is 2.2 between 2.2 and 4.6, how the heck can I see you as God does? If I'm making up my mind so quickly about this person or that person or the person that I'll meet tomorrow as I have coffee or whatever it might be, I need to give you And if I'm talking to you individually, I need to give you and you need to give me the benefit of the doubt. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be so quick. Don't be so rash. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't judge people. That's what he's saying. Notice also that judgment has a boomerang effect. Jesus said, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you start throwing a critical spirit on someone, a judgmental spirit on other people, it'll come back. That's what Jesus is saying. It's going to come back. It's going to bite you. (laughs) It's going to bite me. So it's the principle, isn't it, of sowing and reaping. And that principle says, whatever we sow, we'll receive the same kind back. Paul, in Galatians, sow to the flesh, reap a whirlwind. Right? I don't even know what a whirlwind is. I did see the result of this this storm that hit Brisbane yesterday and... $150 million worth of damage, bang, like that. I guess that's like a whirlwind. It just comes in and destroys and uproots and and knocks down. So to the flesh, Paul says, that's what's going to happen. So to the Spirit, 
and you reap life, eternal life. Show to the, sow to the Spirit. So, the, the teaching, the encouragement is, let's sow to what is of the Spirit. And so, the principle that Jesus is talking about here is, is the same principle. Whatever you sow, if I sow judgment, if I sow criticism, if I sow those kinds of things to others, it's going to come back. I'm going to get it. But if I'm sowing words of, of encouragement, words of build up, I reckon they're going to come back. Not because I'm hopeful, but because that's what the Scripture says. It's going to come back to me. And so, Jesus is saying you treat someone that way, you, you yourself will be treated that way as well. It's tempting to judge and to criticize other Christians. However, God is the only one qualified to judge and he will take into account what we cannot even see, what we don't even know. Now, that's both terrifying and extremely comforting. <laughs> To know that God knows all things and he's taking it all, you know, in. And so he's, he's working all things out just right. So Jesus is, let's go back to that phrase. Jesus says, hey, just slow down. Take it easy. Don't get yourself all worked up over things. God knows, he knows he knows what's in the heart of a person. He'll work it all out. In fact, he'll work it out. Paul reminds us. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time. So what's the time before the Lord returns? For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Oh dear. Maybe I should just block that one out in my Bible. <laughs> he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due him. That is a judgment, by the way, of Christians. You notice he doesn't say he's going to bring what's in the darkest place in my heart uh, and he's going to bring that to light and he's going to expose really what the motives are in my heart and then throw me into hell. doesn't say that. What does he say? And God will give each one whatever praise is due. So here is a great motivation, is it not, church, to keep our hearts free. I'm going to kick that microphone all the way. <laughs> to keep our hearts um, pure and right. The great motivation is that when it comes time for God to reveal, really, and I think, you know, I'm going to be surprised because I'm going to go, I, I didn't realize that. And the Lord will say, well, come on, Graham, look a bit deeper. Be honest with yourself. So, um, the great motivation here is that we will receive God's praise, his commendation 
one of the other um, translations says. So each of us has experienced the extraordinary mercy of God, his forgiveness. It's just, he's just poured it out into, into our lives and we sang that this morning about God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and kindness and he constantly forgives and he does not treat us, as the psalm says, as our sins deserve. If this is how he treats us, then this is how we are to treat one another. Again, again, let me, uh, let me just underscore this. This is Jesus teaching us how to live in community, how we relate to one another. That is extremely important to Jesus. Why? Because if it wasn't, he would never have preached this sermon. That was on his heart to preach. He would have gone fishing with Pete and the rest of the boys. But this was on his heart because he wanted us to know how we are to live together in such a way that we may be the light in our community and in our city and in our nation and in our world and that our light would so shine that he would receive all the honour all the glory, all the praise and he would be able to say these are my kids and they know how to live and to follow me. Wow. So, the speck and the, <laughs> the, speck and the blank. <laughs> Why do you look at the speck of... Now, Jesus the carpenter. Okay? Jesus the carpenter. Oh, golly, man, I've got that little speck in my eye. Mom! You know, get that speck. Oh, 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 so, oh, oh, oh. And what does mum say? I can't see a thing. And you go, no, there's something in there. No, I can't see a thing. Go and wash your eye out. I can't see a thing. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank? This is Christ humour, by the way. <laughs> Attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, hey, let, me, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's this whopping great plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And you know, this is, this is truly uh, the carpenter talking here, Jesus. And it's meant to be, even though we're not laughing, intentionally humorous. Scotoma. Um, if you've had your eyes tested, um, those kinds of things, you'll perhaps have heard of that word. Is the Greek word for darkness. And it describes a particular condition of the eye, our blind spot. There are two kinds of blind spots that you and I have, that people have. One 
is that there are times when you cannot see something and then there are times when you choose not to see something. Now here is the humour of what Jesus is saying. People can clearly see the speck in someone else's eye, the fault, the little thing, the way they stand, the way they walk, the way they speak, the way they always push in first to get tea and coffee for morning tea, or you know, the, the, the little speck, that's like a tiny little thing, but it's the little speck and they see it. But we don't realise, I don't realise there's a whopping great big plank in my eye. I'm, I'm just Mr. Perfect. Oh no, come on, uh, Mary, uh, after you, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just so cool, it's not funny. And so I make these judgments on people. Just the little speck, the little something. Can you think about those occasions when you've made that little, that judgment, just a tiny little thing but failed to see within ourselves our own faults. And this is what Jesus is getting at here. That's why Jesus said, um, you hypocrite. So what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show on the outside and what we know is true on the inside. Often the things we criticise in others are the things we see in ourselves. Now, what is true on the inside is what God sees. What's true? What you see of me this morning on the outside, the question is, is it real? Now, you might make a judgment, bang, like that. But only God knows, only God knows what's in here, what's on the inside. So hypocrisy is the gap between what we show on the outside. Let me just say this here. I could be, I could be just looking so great up here this morning, but out of your vision, I could be somebody altogether different. So we've got to line our lives up, haven't they? They've got to be true to God's word and true to who we are. So by criticising and finding faults in others, we build ourselves up, makes us feel better about ourselves to gloat over the failures of others. Okay, let me just finish now. So what should be our attitudes? Jesus says, do not judge and we must look to ourselves first, look to ourselves first to correct our own faults, removing the beam <laughs> from our own eyes. Then, then we will be able to see, to discern and help others in dealing with their faults. One day, Billy and Ruth Graham were driving through a long stretch of road construction site, a little bit like going down the hill. 
they had numerous slowdowns, detours and stops along the way. Finally, they reached the end of all that difficulty and the smooth road just stretched out before them, 80 zone, bang, foot down, away you go, thank goodness, left that behind. And now this sign caught Billy Graham's wife, her attention. End of destruction. (laughs) End of construction. Thanks for your patience. Now, brothers and sisters, the thing is sometimes we can come to the Word and when we begin to understand it, not that I'm saying you didn't understand this in the first instance, I'm not suggesting that at all. But when we come to understand it, we feel like we're a failure we feel like we just haven't made it. And remember I said, the more you journey into the Sermon of the Mount, the more you begin to see just how far short you fall, but on the other hand, how great is the love of God for each one of us and the grace of God. Each of us is a work in progress, okay? God is working in us and on us. So let's be patient with one another. Sound like a plan? I'll invite the musos to come back up and just as I pray, Father, thank you for your encouragement uh, this morning through your word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be those who show grace, much grace toward others. But also, Lord, to be those who judge um, when it is needed to be, uh, when judgment is needed, to judge with, um, with discernment and wisdom and understanding. Uh, Help us to be those, Father, who deal with our own faults first so that we may help others. So, Father, we commend and commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.